The Chicago Bears 2023 draft class has a common theme of betting big on athletic potential. The high ceilings are there, but so is the possibility for a few busts along the way. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today, and hopefully every single day. Whether today is your first day ever listening to Locked On Bears or whether you've been listening to Locked On Bears for years now, really appreciate all of you tuning in. On the show today, we're going to look at this Bears draft class. I do want to focus in on day three of the draft, the fourth, fifth, and seventh round picks, but also more holistically here because there's a theme across this draft class of athletes with great tools that need some coaching and developing to reach their full potential in the NFL. We'll go through how that is sort of weaved throughout these different players, why I think the two fourth round picks may have been the best two picks of this Bears draft class, and we'll get to know some of the later round guys that we might not have heard of entering draft weekend. But big picture across the board, we kept hearing Ryan Pohl say after the draft, he wanted to make his team longer, bigger, faster, stronger. And they were really able to do that, right? Darnell Wright, the two defensive linemen, uh, Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens, certainly the cornerback, Tyreek Stevenson, you know, the, the first four picks all fit that category. And even into the second round, like Tyler Scott offers a lot of speed there. And, you know, the linebackers and DBs they drafted in the second day as well have some some size and some length to them. Not everyone universally fits that, that description, but seem to be a very common theme here. These are a lot of athletes, players with rare or uncommon athletic tools for their positions, but it is also a lot of guys that were not incredibly productive in college. It's a lot of guys who you're drafting because you think they're going to be better in the NFL than they were in college. There's quite a bit of projection there, and that's not uncommon, right? Most of the time you draft a guy to think he's going to be even better in the NFL than he was in college, but these are guys who particularly... I don't want to say struggled, but just weren't, you know, superstars. Guys that, you know, the, the defensive, both defensive linemen didn't have big sack numbers and big tackle numbers. The two cornerbacks they drafted, neither one had big interception numbers. And of course, you know, the running back they drafted, for example, was a backup. A very good. He's one of my favorite picks in this draft. So we'll, we'll talk about him in a moment here. But, you know, these, these were not all studs that come in ready to go playing at a high level. It's guys that were maybe asked to do some different things in college than they'll be asked to do in the NFL and that you feel like have the, the things you can't teach, speed, length, strength, size, that, you know, you can't, I mean, with other than strength, you can't do much about some of those things when they go from college to the NFL. If you're slow, you're slow. If you're fast, you're fast. And you're, you're not really going to get a guy much faster than you saw him in college. But you can teach a defensive lineman to use his hands better and to have better leverage. You can teach a, a cornerback to, you know, keep his eyes on the quarterback more in zone and to better understand, you know, the 
coverage responsibilities of the whole unit and how to read how the offense is attacking you. And you can, you know, teach a wide receiver route running, or you can teach, you know, a linebacker better read and react skills. Like all the flaws that you see in some of these Bears prospects are largely fixable. It certainly puts all of the pressure on the Chicago Bears coaching staff, but you can see where these guys could develop into something great. If you take some really athletic defensive linemen that, again, have some physical tools that not a lot of defensive linemen have. I mean, Javon Dexter's, what, like 6'6", 310, and still ran a five-second, 40-yard dash and moves really well in short areas. Like, he, he's fluid for a big guy. Like, if you can if you can get that guy penetrating up a gap and using his hands and his leverage and his pad level properly, like, that's a guy who could be really disruptive in the NFL. The problem is, with him or with any of these guys, is that there's an if there, right? If you can get him to do X, Y, or Z, if you can get Tyler Scott to be a better route runner, you know, if you can get Tyreek Stevenson to fill in a better hole in zone as opposed to being more of a man-to-man cornerback, right? Like there's there's an if there. And if means good if, and there's there's also bad if. And that's what it that's what this draft class is going to come down to. How many of these prospects truly reach that full potential? I think all of them are certainly worth taking a chance on, right? None of them have the the kinds of like off-field red flags. And I think this is where the the hits principle concept comes in and the culture thing. Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus both talked after the draft about how like, hey, you know, we these are all guys who want to work hard, who love football and are going to do whatever it takes and are dedicated and committed, right? These are not guys who, you know, like the money, and the fame and don't like putting in the work or guys who have you know been able to just ride their their given talents but not had to work hard in order to be successful like these are all guys who are going to put in the effort so that's that bodes well like i think more often when you see the athletic players that bust it's in part because they might not love the sport of football they might not want to put in all the hard work that they might have always been really good athletes who didn't have to try that hard to be successful on the field but now in the nfl even though you were bigger and faster than everybody else in college, you're not anymore. And so you have to work just as hard as everybody else in order to have your size and speed be something that can separate you from the pack. And I think that's the key element of this for the Bears in their draft class is like, yes, these are these are all athletes who need development, but they're also the right mentality to develop in the NFL. And then they, the other half is then they believe that they have the right coaches to teach these players and help them develop in the NFL. Statistically speaking, right, not all of these draft picks are going to make it, right? Not all these draft picks are going to develop and are going to become the high ceilings that we see that they have some capability of. In theory, the earlier picks are more likely to make it than the later picks, but you just know no team ever hits on all of their draft picks. Chances are even one of the earlier picked guys doesn't end up reaching that potential and ultimately ends up flaming out. But the NFL draft is largely like, a lottery tickets, right? You, you're, you're hoping that you can hit big on the one. So as many chances you can take, as many swings for the fences, you feel like at least a few of these guys could be home runs. To me, the two that felt like home runs on draft day already were the two fourth round picks, the running back Rashawn Johnson from Texas and the wide receiver Tyler Scott from Cincinnati. We'll break down those two prospects and why I think they're going to be the real winners or, or they make the Bears winners of this draft class in particular. Next on Locked On Bears. The Locked On Bears podcast is brought to you by Built Bars, the world's best tasting 
protein bars. I actually just ran out of built bars and I need to order some more because I eat them every single day. They're delicious. They're protein bars, but they taste like candy bars. And it's perfect for all of my fitness goals because built bars are low sugar, low calories, high fiber, and most importantly, high protein, 17 grams of protein, three grams, three grams of sugar and only 130 calories, all soft, easy to chew, covered in 100% real chocolate. Like it's, it's the perfect combination of the nutrients that I want and the flavor and deliciousness that I want. It's like a, it's like a guilt-free candy bar. Trust me, it's, it's delicious. You can get a bunch of amazing flavors at built.com or you can go into your local Walmart or Sam's Club to get them even faster. Walmart has four bar boxes of the cookies and cream bar, the double chocolate bar, and the coconut built puffs. And if you go into Sam's Club, you can run in and grab a 13 bar box of their hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. Those are two of my all-time favorites. Go check it out either in your stores or at built.com. Ryan Poles started day three of the draft, really, I think, on fire. And yes, he traded down from the first pick of the fourth round and still landed two players I'm really excited about. The two players from this draft class I'm most excited about. Obviously, as fourth round picks, they're not as good as like Darnell Wright. Like, I mean, it's not about it's not about these two are going to be the best players from the class, but the two that I'm most excited about as draft picks and being good value for where Ryan Poles got them. Let's start with Rashawn Johnson from Texas. He is the reason why you don't draft Bijan Robinson in the first round. He's Bijan's backup at Texas. Rotated in with him. And to me, with the 115th pick in that draft, where you took Rashawn Johnson, you got your 2024 starting running back. I think not this season, but next season, Rashawn Johnson will be the number one running back on the Chicago Bears. And you took him at 115. I mean, comparatively, he's not as good as B. John Robinson, who was drafted uh, eighth overall to the to the Falcons. Is that? Yeah, early in the draft. I think it was the Falcons took B. John. He's not as good as B. John. Of course not. But if I can use the 115th pick to find my starting running back, that seems like a lot better of a deal than using my first round pick to find a starting running back. This is not to be a B. John Robinson podcast, but I think it's because it's directly his backup. That's why I want to make I want to make that point. As far as Johnson himself, there's a lot of David Montgomery in him, both on and off the field. Like, that's the other thing. I think the Bears area scout or whoever said like Rashawn Johnson was like one of the highest they graded in terms of character and like intangibles, like human being off the field, like off the charts, kind of genuinely great person, first and foremost. But then on the field, right, he averaged like six yards a carry. The dude has great contact balance, just like David Montgomery. Like he can when, when guys try and hit him. They bounce off and he bounces off of them and he always is falling forward and moving forward and picking up a bunch of extra yards after contact because he's just so hard to actually get down in the ground. Like David Montgomery, he's not the fastest guy in the world. You know, he's not going to break away and outrun everyone down the sideline for 50 yards, right? That's a little more Khalil Herbert type speed, but like Rashawn Johnson is not that guy. He's got good short area quickness, but he's not a, a long speed running back, but he's He's big, he's strong, he's physical, and he bounces off of you. And a good special teams player and contributor right away was there at Texas and will do so with the Bears. And also really good blocker in pass protection. He's going to be able to be on the field on third downs right away in his career. As a receiver, he's done some stuff, but it's not like he's he's no Tariq Cohen or anything. But certainly as a blocker, he has good technique, good positioning, good smarts. Like that's where right away he can get in on passing downs and make an impact. And I think, you know, Dante Foreman is here on a one-year deal, 
when he goes, Rashawn Johnson takes over as the starting running back here, and he and Khalil Herbert will form a very nice two-headed monster. In the meantime, he'll be a part of the rotation this season, I think, slowly build up to more and more snaps and take more and more carries away from Foreman and Herbert over time. The other second, the other fourth-round pick, Tyler Scott, the wide receiver from Cincinnati, he offers some really great speed at wide receiver, gives the Bears some vertical ability downfield. He's not a great route runner at this stage of his career. He, he described himself as more of a raw wide receiver. I think he only started playing wide receiver like a couple of years ago. Like he played running back for a while and switched over to wide receiver. So he's still learning. You know, he's good with the ball in his hands because he's a, he was a former running back, but he's still learning the, the minutia of getting open and setting up defensive backs and trying to you know be that guy. But this is a playmaker. He is a, a downfield, he's a track athlete. And I read, I read that all 12 of his college touchdowns, I think it was seven this past season and five the year before, were all plays of 20 or more yards. They were all explosive touchdowns. Some of that's after the catch, some of that's before the catch, but this is a, this is a vertical speed guy. He's not huge, he's not tiny, but he's not big. He's not a wide catch radius type of guy, but he's just fast and can win downfield. And I think that's a great, where, a great spot for him to come here and be you know, the number four wide receiver who gets in on, you know, that kind of rotational, like take deep shots with him, but that's about it right away in his career. And then let him build up as a route runner. Because if he can become a route runner, like he gets Tyler Lockett comparisons. If you're looking for like an NFL guy to sort of model him after, that's what you can hope that he develops towards. But I think at a minimum, he can come in and be that deep shot guy that rotates in to not be an every down wide receiver. But Justin Fields is a downfield thrower and this receiver fits that skill set for Justin Fields, and you hope that he can develop into something even greater. He was a, a second-round type wide receiver in this class. Ryan Pohl said he was surprised both Johnson. He was surprised that Johnson was there. He was surprised Tyler Scott was there. Really happy to get both of them in the fourth round. And again, I think if if you were going to grade these Bears picks individually, those two for sure would be my highest graded picks for this team. Ha absolutely thrilled about both of those two guys. I think they're going to be really fun. Not only are they at the 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 fantasy football positions that we'll actually get to like watch, and it's easier to sort of see when they're doing well and not doing well compared to offensive defensive tackles sometimes where it's like sometimes you know you're not seeing the dirty work these are not dirty work positions they're the, they're the flashier positions that are fun more fun to watch but also they're really talented players that i think the bears got steals on those guys comparatively to the second round where some will argue that javon dexter and zach pickens maybe have been slightly reaches but they certainly weren't reaches to ryan poles and the bears front office who felt like those two guys were the best players available and very close uh, together uh, on their draft board as they tried to evaluate them. I think the rest of the day three after the fourth round, you know, the two fifth round picks and the two seventh round picks, ultimately they went, I think, for development, right? They they were trying to find again, like this, these are the longer term spots. When, you, when you're looking in the, the fifth and seventh rounds, like it's not, it's not necessarily where you're, where you're going to find like big time starters right away at, at this stage of their career. But you hope that with a little bit of work and some time that they can become you know, talented players that contribute to what you want to do. So we'll go through some of these names that we might not have heard of entering draft day to get a better sense of how they fit with this Bears team. And we'll also look at the positions they opted not to draft, even with potential late round developmental players next on Locked on Bears. Day three of the draft is always the time when it's like, who's that? And you're looking them up and trying to figure out what they can do and where they played for. And certainly, like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I watched any Kennesaw State tape. You know, Travis Bell, the defensive tackle they took in the seventh round. 
have not watched, I mean, entering the draft release. I've looked at a little stuff since, but like entering the draft, never heard of the guy. The first player ever drafted out of Kennesaw State. I'm not even sure that that's how you say if you say the Kennesaw or if it gets like a, a weird pronunciation there. But of course, like Ryan Poles absolutely loves him. That was like his favorite pick in this draft, his favorite human being in this draft, a player. Ryan Poles clearly wanted to make sure we're not going to let some other team draft him. And probably, I mean, maybe took him earlier than he needed to, but absolutely, you know, if that's his conviction, the GM can can have his guy with a seventh round pick. But let's start in the fifth round. Linebacker Noah Sewell from Oregon. If he had come out last year, probably would have been drafted a lot earlier than this. He had a really good junior season, or I don't know, his second to last season. I don't know if it was his junior. It might have been his sophomore season. I think he came out a year early. But regardless, two years ago, really, really strong season. This past year, they moved him into more of like a, like he was still an inside backer in their 3-4-D, but they made him more of like a pass rusher at times and moved him around a little bit more. So he, he wasn't a pure linebacker. He And he's he's big. He's like 6'1", six, 6 foot. 243 pounds like this is a this is a this is a thick this is a thick young man who is very good at running coming downhill you know run defense delivering hits and certainly you know check down to the running back coming downhill and being able to just lay some wood there and be physical in the middle of and get dirty you know with taking on blocks and stuff like that's his game through and through he's not a great athlete in terms of like sideline to sideline speed and range he's a little bit slow in that regard and he's also not didn't look to me like super instinctual, right? Like when we talk about Jack Sanborn also not being an elite sideline to sideline athlete, Sanborn and TJ Edwards, very similarly, they're both see it really fast. They see the play and they, they can react faster than other players. And so they get there at the same time as faster players because they get a head start on their first step farther. Sewell to me, I haven't quite seen that enough from him. There's times when he can read, read and diagnose. It's not that he's got an inability to. It's just how how quickly that works through for him to see it, know what to do, make the step, and get there, right? It, it feels like things are just a little bit of a step slow for him. So right away, he's going to be a great special teams player. Like, that's that's through and through. There's a there's a certain level of, like, you remember when they drafted Joel E.A. Booneyway in the fifth round and he came in and was a four-phase special teams guy who never really became a, a consistent defensive player? Like, I think at a minimum... That's what Noah Sewell gives you right now. Younger brother of Panay Sewell, the Lions offensive tackle. He's got a bunch of family members in the NFL. Like, I think he can carve out a 10-year career as an NFL backup for sure. It's just a matter of how much better than that can he be. And because he's big and strong and physical, you feel like there's some real tools there that you can you can develop and work him into some kind of bigger role and maybe even make him a pass rusher in certain situations. He did show a knack for blitzing and getting after the quarterback. Not a full-time edge rusher, but maybe some different like Anthony Barr type role where you can bring them up to the line of scrimmage and, and do some different stuff. I think there's some flexibility there, like Hassan Riddick to that style, but not nearly as good or as refined as those guys. The other fifth round pick, Terrell Smith, cornerback from Minnesota, similar to Tyreek Stevenson in that he's like pretty big, long, you know, long arms, strong. He's like six foot or whatever, 210 odd pounds, but physical outside man-to-man press cornerback. Knows how to use the sideline really well to kind of push receivers there and use that as your sort of other defender. He can latch onto you one-on-one and, and carry you down the sideline. Not a supernatural zone coverage cornerback at this stage of his career, but he's fast and he's long and he can run with guys down the field. Also not a guy with a ton of ball skills. Not somebody who's good at turning and finding the ball in the air. Got got flagged for gra- being grabby downfield in that way as a result too. So like there's, there's some development that needs to go there. But again, he's got things you can't teach. Arm length, strength. Speed, like you can't, coaching staffs can't just like make them learn that you can get guys stronger, yes, but like 
especially the length and the speed and the size. Like he's got the intangibles, the unteachables. See if we can teach him how to be a better cornerback and potentially get something there. And as a late fifth round pick, he's got special teams upside for sure and can can help you out there with the speed and the strength and the length. And if he becomes an outside player who can play it sometime in the future, that's great. But he's going to be a backup this year, right? Clearly going to be at least number four competing with Kendall Vildor as for one of the backup two or three cornerback spots here. So it's it's a worthwhile shot in the dark there for a, another more corner, more young cornerback depth. You can never have too many of those. Seventh round real quick, Travis Bell from Kansas State, defensive tackle, super small school kid. It's going to be a big learning curve to the NFL, but Ryan Poles loves him, and we'll see how good Ryan Poles' conviction is on a player like this. Really strong athlete, sideline-to-sideline type of defensive tackle. Played, like, running back in, in high school and, and, like, coming out of even coming out of high school was recruited, like, some running back, some defensive line, some offensive line. Like, he does he does a little bit of everything, and he's got some nice tools there. He's only six feet tall, so he gets good leverage, but he still has enough length to make up for it and pretty big guy. So he strikes me as a guy who may end up on the practice squad this season because they drafted two other defensive tackles and signed one in free agency. But developmental guy that you bring in and see how he can adjust to the NFL for a seventh round pick, sure thing. And the last one, Kendall Williamson, the safety from Stanford, who I think could potentially play down in, in the slot a little bit too, possibility. But uh, rain, like a guy who likes to come down in the box and lay the wood, physical box type of safety, but can move pretty well, ha- has decent, decent speed and range. Like another athlete across the board here, probably a special teams guy at this stage of his career, because of course, it's Brisker and, and Jackson for the foreseeable future. But he and uh, Elijah Hicks can be your two sort of like backup developmental safeties to kind of keep things rolling in that direction. And if I'm not mistaken, the Bears never re-signed DeAndre Houston Carson this offseason. And so they do kind of have that need for another like top special teams player. As far as I can tell, I think DeAndre Houston Carson is still a free agent as it sits today. So I don't know if there's still time. They might still bring him back at some point, but it's kind of weird that he no team assigned him because he's been so good on special teams there as well. But that kind of puts the, the whole Bears draft class in a bow there. How many of these guys did we describe as like athletes who need coaching? Williamson, Bell, Smith, Scott, Pickens, Stevenson, Dexter, right? Like Rashawn Johnson's not the elite, elite athlete and Noah Sewell's not the elite, elite athlete, but they do have some physical traits that are pretty impressive. Clearly, that's what Ryan Poles was going after here. It's a lot of guys that need to get better and need to be coached up and need to be productive, more productive in the NFL than they were at times in college. So there's a lot of risk there. And, you know, no risk it, no biscuit. You know, if you don't if you don't take risks on the guys, you get a bunch of, you could you could have taken a bunch of like sure thing, low ceiling guys that might not ever not ever be great, but can just be okay. And you know, different philosophies there. But Ryan Poles investing in and believing in his coaching staff to develop these guys and then believing in physical traits and, and letting the rest of it come that if they're good football, like good football human beings, good football character, hits principle guys, that between the effort that they seem to be willing to put in and the physical tools that can help them be even better than some of these other prospects, that's where Ryan Poles goes with this draft. We'll see how it pans out. I'm excited to see the development of these guys. I think the Bears are in a good spot right now where this season is still a developing, growing year for the Bears. They don't need all these rookies to be pro bowlers. They, they're going to have to play, but they can afford to take some of the learning curves and some of the lumps along the way as we go through this process this season so that perhaps by next year when you're really trying to go in on really winning and maximizing this one, you know, this, this championship window potentially, that they'll be a little bit more developed at that stage and can be even bigger contributors at that time. You can be sure. 
We'll keep a close eye on all of these rookies' developments all throughout the year on the Locked on Bears podcast. So make sure you hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube, because that's going to be the best way to keep up with our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. I'd love to hear what you think of this Bears draft class. I would give it a B as far as a draft grade goes. Solid, not an A-plus draft, not an F-minus draft. Solid B. The potential, if these guys reach their ceilings, it'll be an A-plus draft. If they struggle to reach their ceilings, it could be an F draft. It's very, uh, it's very a fluctuating kind of. It's a volatile draft class. It could be really good, could have some, could have some bumps along the way. Excited to see what's going to happen with it. We're going to start to get to know some of these Bears draft prospects a little bit better starting on Wednesday's podcast with Locked On Tennessee Volunteers going to be joining us. We're going to talk to Brandon Olson from Locked On Florida about Javon Dexter, and he knows a little bit about Tyreek Stevenson too as well, and we'll, tra- we'll chat with all of our different Locked On Podcast Network hosts about these college players, the guys who've been, co- co- the, guy, the hosts on the network who have been covering them in college. I don't know why I couldn't get those words out. So that's going to be on the docket here for the next couple of weeks as we catch up on this Bears draft class, and then we're not going anywhere all offseason just because the draft is over. Rookie minicamp is coming up too, so I hope you'll keep making Locked on Bears your first listen each and every single day. Come on back tomorrow as we break down this Bears draft class and kind of look at what where things might go from here. And of course, you have to come back for your next opportunity to bear down.